0: Welcome to the Clients and Conversions Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Clem, and I've helped fellow entrepreneurs and business owners just like you harness the power of social media to grow your audience by the hundreds, 2x their launch sales, and have client leads banging down the door to book a call with you. And I'm the first to say that hustling and searching hours online for your next client or student is not the vital ingredient to your success or even your happiness. This podcast is for driven entrepreneurs, from coaches to course creators and everything in between, to access practical and actionable tactics on everything from how to get clients with Instagram advertising, and really unlock the keys from sales and social media to get growth with the simplest tools possible, while keeping it just long enough to get you through your walk, drive, or workout. So stick with us for this episode and the ones to come so you can get more clients and sales in less time, Now let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we have on Jess Freeman, also known as Jess Creatives Online, who is a website designer for service-based business owners, primarily those in the health and wellness industry. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. For those who don't know, Jess is someone who I find is like a powerhouse person for value when it comes to her Instagram, YouTube. She is somehow everywhere at the same time. And I think she's gonna be a really great knowledge for a lot of you out there who are kind of, Like, befuddle when it comes to websites or possibly even like content or YouTube, because she, for herself and for her own clients, is really able to blend the two super well. So, I love to begin this show with a bit of your journey to kind of like what led you to where you're at today, and then end kind of what I call the zone of genius talks around the topics that really can help benefit the listeners. So, if you can tell me a little bit about how you grew up, kind of what led you to wanting to go down this path.
1: Yeah. So I grew up always being artsy, like loved to kind of draw and scrapbook. And I was on the yearbook staff in high school. And so it was actually in high school that I decided like, I'm going to be a graphic designer. Like I just decided one day literally and never changed my mind. And so I went to college and got my degree in graphic design. And I started freelancing in college because all my friends were in like, clubs on campus and you know all in charge of these events and whatnot and they would be like hey Jess can you design us a t-shirt for I mean there are so many clubs on campus like Mm -hmm. it it was it was a lot of t-shirts I think I left college with like 70 plus t-shirts because I was not you know really running it like a business so I would just say hey like sure I'll do that just give me like ten dollars and one of your t-shirts and wow. so like every time I designed one, they would just give me a t-shirt. So I ended up leaving college literally with like seven. I had to count how many t-shirts I had. Oh
0: my god! Um,
1: I have dwindled that down since then. I mean, it's been a while since I graduated college anyway, but I slowly made that stack smaller. So like, not as many t-shirts Before now. Before
0: I continue, just for morbid curiosity, what clubs do you currently have still? Like what shirts do you have from them?
1: Um. So I have a lot of just my general um which i didn't design those i guess um but just general like college mm-hmm. name ones mm-hmm. um i one of the ones i designed was a social workers club oh i think and i have that t-shirt still <laughs> not that i wear it very often <laughs> um i think i still have one from when i was like on a dodgeball team i think so there was that t-shirt um I can't remember, because those are kind of in my, like, I don't wear these, like, in the day-to-day. They're more, like, if I'm painting, or, like, it's just the weekend. Doing housework. Yeah, so those are in, like, my other, like, don't wear these very often stack. (laughs) Gotcha, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so I started freelancing, and then after college, I um, moved from Texas to Georgia, to be with my, at the time, fiance, now husband, and lost all of my clients because just back then, like Instagram wasn't as big of a thing Mm -hmm. yet. And so people just kind of forgot me, like out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, other design students that we know, you know, and also all my friends graduated as well. So they didn't have the need for these projects anymore. Um, And so I kind of just, you know, At work, people, obviously, like, I was working as a designer, and so then I would occasionally get some freelance work that way, and friends of friends would refer me, so I had a little bit of freelance work, and at that point, so this is, like, 2012, 2013, I'm, like, okay, so when I'm, like, 45, for some reason, that's my number, like, 45, (laughs) um, I'm gonna, like, run my own business maybe, maybe then I'll run my own business. Cause I'd never really dreamt of like being my own boss. It just was not something I imagined. Mm. And my husband is much more of a dreamer than I am. And he's like, just creatives. is going to take over the world. We're going to have like a skyscraper downtown in Atlanta. Like, that." <laughs> oh um, okay. I don't know about that, but sure. So, you know, freelance work started to pick up more and more and it was in 2014 that I started to like really pursue making just creatives uh more of my business more of a business Mm -hmm. and you know it was like I actually found that there were people my age who ran businesses full-time and I didn't have to wait till I was 45 so that was great (laughs) because I would not have lasted until I was 45 and um yeah so then it was in the fall um, October first is when I quit my job and took just, just creatives full time. Um, and I had I did that because I was already making more with just creatives than I was making at my day job and was running out of hours in the day. And I mean, I quit and I emailed everybody that I'd ever worked with and like anybody I knew in the area and was like, I quit. I'm taking just creatives full time. Let me know if you need something and literally, I mean, I emailed, like, everybody, and I posted on social media. I made a blog post about it, you know, the whole nine yards, and within a week, I had 13 projects going, (laughs) and I was like, "Um, okay, so, like, this is a little much. (laughs) I can't handle 13 projects at one time. What was I thinking? And so, I created a wait list and was like, once more people started like emailing me or getting back to me about needing something, I was like, um, okay, well like I I could do it in like three weeks and was really scared that they would be mad or something. They're like, cool. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And, um, so that was in 2014 and I've had a wait list ever since, um, thankfully. And so, yeah, it's just, it's been crazy to think Just, you know, I was like, oh, when I'm 45 and two years after I graduated college, um, you know, here I am, or well, not now. It's been more than two years since I graduated college, but (laughs) um, I just, I grew up in a super tiny town. And so the idea of owning my own business and being an online entrepreneur was never on my radar. So I know there are plenty of people who became entrepreneurs straight out of college um, and they, you know, that was their dream. But for me, it was just like, oh, I just want to be a designer. I don't know what that looks like. Um, But now I cannot imagine going back to an office job, even if it was still design, um, because it's just so fun to be, be your own boss. Um, Yeah.
0: I love that. And I think that's a huge piece too, that for a lot of entrepreneurs I've found, I love when I ask this question, because it's kind of divided, like you said, some people who are like I've wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was like born to others who kind of just like fell into it. And I'm definitely someone who was more of the fell into its crowd. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: for me, I always knew that I wanted to help people, but I didn't know how. So it was one of those things where The idea of being my own boss sounded amazing, but I never knew like what my knack was, what was going to be the thing. So similar to you, it's kind of like, you kind of just fell into, oh, this was kind of interesting. Some people seem to actually enjoy it. How about I try and like create something out of it and kind of grew from there. So I love that type of place because I think what can happen sometimes is people get, you know, discouraged when they hear people who say, I wanted to be an entrepreneur all my life versus someone who might've just like, I don't want to say I fell more into it. It sounds like that's a bad thing, but it's more like an accidental entrepreneur. Like, hey, I'm actually good at this. This is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing is like, I, this was never on my radar. And I was just talking on my Instagram the other day. Someone was like, so as a designer, like, how did you get so business savvy? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, Ooh. I don't, I don't always think I am business savvy because <laughs> I didn't take any business classes in college. Like, that wasn't any part of my degree. Um, my professors didn't say anything about design, like business, um, that my degree was much more of a, like artsy orientation of design, not like commercial design, like advertising and design mm-hmm. it was much more of just like being an artist.
0: Let so, me help demystify something as someone who did buy, get a business degree
1: did not help me at all. <laughs> <laughs> Good I, to know, yeah, good, tell you you know. Not waste your money okay, good <laughs> um, yeah, and I, and that's the thing is I'm like we can all be business owners without having to have any like formal education now, yeah, will like podcasts and courses and all that kind of stuff help us absolutely, and I think that's you know where <laughs> a lot of us do get our education, but I know there are so many people out there who are like, but I don't have a business degree, I don't know anything about marketing and I don't know about this and Okay, there are plenty of people online who will help you, either for free or, you know, with a low-cost course.
0: Yeah, and even more so, I think, like you said, that you... I think the commonality between both those who, you know, never been an entrepreneur or don't have experience and into those who are like the accidental entrepreneurs, both of them at the end of the day are still being resourceful and are eager to learn. And I think that's the biggest piece that you have to take care of because I've had it happen before where I've had um, audience or I, I don't say audience, but people like who are in my audience who've come to me and they know that they need to make a change. They know that they need to learn marketing in certain areas of it, but they don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest piece to run with is that, no, you don't need a degree, but you just need to have the resourcefulness and the eagerness to learn. And that'll take you a lot farther than any degree could.
1: A hundred percent. Like when people ask me, how I am successful, and how I get it all done, and anything about that, like, or, I mean, just the other day, I had someone message me on Instagram, and they're, they were a new follower, and um, had commented on my Instagram story, and um, I said something back, like, oh, like, I'm so glad you followed, like, let me know if you need help with anything, and she said, like, oh, I have so many questions, I don't even know where to start, (laughs) and she's like, well, what would you, what's one thing you would tell me about, like, making content? Um, And I said, just show up like Mm -hmm. that is the one thing that has proven the most effective in my business is just showing up. Like I started a YouTube channel and it was super awkward at first. Like those, um, those videos are so embarrassing and they're so bad (laughs) and it didn't matter. I was showing up when other people weren't like, I'm not saying I was the first business person Mm -hmm. on YouTube because I'm far from it but in my little tiny online circle of people that I kind of, you know, see a lot in Facebook groups and we're all in the same Facebook groups and everything, um, I was one of the few to start YouTube first.
0: Yeah, that's actually something we're going to go into a little bit later because I think that's a huge piece of people to know, you know, is it the right time for them to start YouTube? Mm -hmm. Is it the right thing? But I want to go even a step forward before that and talk about the websites, because that's something that you are, it's kind of like your bread and butter is, is really helping people with their websites, designing them in a way that not only looks pretty, but also gets them clients. Mm-hmm. And I love this piece that you mentioned before around like most people treat their website like a static brochure. Like it's oh just like, gosh. this is me, hi, I'm here. And I'd love to hear what is your, I guess, take on websites nowadays from those who kind of just have them put up and just like, here we are, versus ones that have a little more strategy behind them?
1: Yeah. So like she said, your website is not a static brochure. I know so many people who, like even some of my very own clients, Mm -hmm. um, who have a website designed either by someone or they do it themselves and they put it up there and then that's it and yeah. they don't do anything with it. And they're like, well, I don't get any clients from my website, and it's a waste. Um, no, it's a waste because you're not driving people to it. And your website does not have to be fancy at all. Like, building a website on Squarespace, totally fine. You don't have to have all these widgets and gadgets and pop-ups, and, like, it doesn't have to be overly fancy in terms of design. It really just needs to be clear and have a strategy behind it. Like what I always tell my clients is if you only had people do one thing on your site, if they came to your site, did one thing and left, what would you want that one thing to be? Now make that the focus of your website. It doesn't mean that you can't like, hey, you know, download this freebie and join my Facebook group and follow me on Instagram. It's not that you can't have other items on there to kind of draw people towards that's totally fine but when people come to me and they're like I really want to you know get people in my Facebook group and no one's joining and I do I do a lot of website audits so mm-hmm. it's basically people who have an existing website and I comb through and I look at design layout SEO all that kind of fun stuff and I always ask like several questions before to get an idea of like what's working what's not what do you want it to do better. And they'll be like, oh, like, they're not doing this. And I'm like, yeah, there's like one button on the bottom of your about page when you already have 14 other buttons also on that same page. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah. And so I always tell people like minimize how many calls to action you have on one page. And to clarify, a call to action is anything that someone can click and go to another page or another website. Sometimes people think of a call to action as like download or hire me or like they think of the really like, I don't know, aggressive, (laughs) those aren't aggressive, but you know, really Mm -hmm. calls to action of like doing something, but even like go read the blog post, that's a call to action. You're asking them to do something. So minimize how many calls to action you have on one page and then really highlight what you want people to do. Like when you go to Danielle's site, there's a big call to action on her homepage to grab her free download. I did not know you looked at my website before this. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yes. Um, And so that like that tells me that Danielle wants people to join her email list. That's like the, that's one of the main focuses of her list. And cause I have clients who are like, yeah, I want my list to get, cl- or not my list. I want my website to grow my list, get me clients and increase my passive income. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like we can have all of those elements on your site. Like we can have a services page, we can have an opt-in and we can have a shop, but which one do you want to drive people to the most? That's what's most important. And when I talk about your website being a static brochure, I always think about like your goals for your website can change like from month to month or even quarter to quarter. So I tell my clients like every quarter you should evaluate, like, what do I want to focus on this month? Do you have a good number of email subscribers coming in and you're set and you want to focus on clients? Okay. Then like take the opt-in off your homepage, take down the pop-up and send people to your services page or are you booked up with clients and you're like let me work on list growth cool then put that opt-in on the home page or um, put up a little you know the hello bar at the top of the site like whatever it is bring attention to what you want people to do on your site and that's where people just put up the site and have 15 calls to action on one page on every page of their site and then they're like well it's not doing anything and I'm like Well, it's just overwhelming people and then you're not updating it to reflect like what you want your business to do this month or this quarter.
0: That is such not only good website uh, advice, but business advice for those like looking at every quarter for your goals, because that's something I find that a lot of not, not even like just clients, but really people in business already who Mm -hmm. are wanting all these things don't look at. And even myself, I fell into that trap and sometimes have to like pull myself out of it every once in a while. It's like, yeah, you know, I want to like revamp my website. I want to start a YouTube channel. I want to do this. And I try and create all the dates at the same time when it's like, one, you're going to burn yourself out. (laughs) Two, (laughs) you can't withstand that as one person, even if you have a VA, it's a lot to put on you. So I love that part really around solidifying what is your goal for the next like 30, 60 days that you really care about and changing and formatting things to fit that. Because like you said, for websites, you can change things rather quickly when it comes to if you have things already formatted. If you have things you can change out. Um, something I don't know if I even mentioned to you before we started chatting was when I first like literally first started my business, I was a website designer. So that's kind of why my website's not as usually as bad as other people. But when I was doing that for people, I probably did like five websites max, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> for each client, i have to ask that same question, because it's such a common thing to happen for people, as they go into the website thinking, okay, I want to put, I want them to go to my podcast, I want them to go to the services page, I want them to go to the contact form, and it's like, you're asking too much of them to do at one piece. Think about yourself when you're going to a website, you probably only go to max, maybe three pages, not including the amount of time you spend on there, but that's like all you do. So you Mm -hmm. have to make sure it's around there. And you brought up a really great point, which I want to go into deeper as well, which is people who kind of have two different facets of their business, like their services and their shop, or service and a course. How for you, when you're like helping them create this website, especially the homepage, how do you divvy that up for them? So it's not like they're the people who are on their, I would say on their website feel like it's two separate websites in general, but
1: it's still cohesive enough to take them to where they want to go. So for someone who like, okay, for me, for myself, for example, Mm -hmm. I have one-to-one services Mm -hmm. and I have a course, Mm -hmm. but my main goal is to have clients. Mm -hmm. Like I have the course, but it's not my main thing. I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but I'm not one of those people that wants to turn their business into course only. Mm -hmm. Like I actually really love working with people. I'm, I feel like I've been saying on Instagram lately that I feel like I'm one of the only people that isn't trying to turn their entire business from like working with people to not working with people, like only doing Mm -hmm. courses or whatever. I'm like, no, like I actually want to do one-to-one work. (laughs) Like I don't want to push people, not that, not that you're pushing people away, but I'm not like, no, less people. I'm like, no, like I'll work with you one-to-one. So for me, again, it goes back to what's the one thing you want people to do. So my homepage drives people to my services, but my course is linked up in my navigation and Because I have so much content on my site, I have been blogging for six years. I've been podcasting for a year and a half, and I've been on YouTube for three years. And all of that lives on my website. So I have a lot of content on my site. And that's where most of my traffic goes because of Pinterest. Everything goes to my blog. And so in those blog posts, that's also where I link to and mention my course. And I have several opt-ins and I have email sequences that go and mention that course as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I even also have a mini funnel for clients that also mentions the course because my, Mm -hmm. I actually created the course for clients because so many of my clients come to me and, you know, we're finishing up their website and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So like how do I show up in Google? And like, I think I should blog. And I'm like, well, I mean, yes, I did put the SEO and like, I optimized your site for a search, but like Google really likes sites that have fresh content. Mm-hmm. If you haven't updated your website in five years, like haven't touched it, not likely that you're going to show up in search. So I created this course that walks people through how to create content, whether it's blogs, podcasts, or videos and so it's helpful for my clients to after working with me to enroll in that course so they can start creating content for their business so I have a little funnel that when people are working with me um, because i'm I'm booked out for a few months so mm-hmm. like there's kind of like okay, you sign up and you pay and then it's just like nothing for <laughs> two to three months. <laughs> So yeah. what I do is I have this little funnel that goes through to Passado, and I have like, okay, Hey, you're going to need like a privacy policy in terms of service. So like this is a video explaining it. One of my own YouTube videos explaining it and then a link to an affiliate to buy a privacy policy and whether or not they actually buy it, that's totally fine. Like they can get a free one somewhere else or, you know, yeah. maybe they already have one at that point. Um, so there's a few emails like that where like, hey, you need to think about this in, in terms of your website. So like watch this other YouTube video I've done. And then it starts leading them into the course. Like, hey, you know, we, you know, the last email I talked about, you're going to need to update your website, you know, the plugins and whatnot. But there's other updates you can do, like adding blog posts and driving traffic to your site so that hopefully you show up in Google. So yeah. then it like links to my course. I even give them like a little discount code because I'm like, you're a client, you're already working with me. Here's a little discount code for the course. And then hopefully they enroll with that. So it really goes back to what do you want people to do? And if, I mean, if it was the opposite, if, you know, someone was like, I really want to focus on the course and not the one-to-one clients, then again, I would make the homepage focus like the course or a freebie so that people get on your email list you have a funnel and then lead them into the course that way
0: i love that and such a huge piece like you mentioned is that even though they're both housed on your site you're not actively trying to push them to do both at the same time especially for you as well i think is the course is for a different place of their journey than working with you You know, really Mm -hmm. is, and same thing happened for me. Is you know, a lot of my clients who are more like done for you ads, they are people who don't want to really learn about ads. They want to learn, obviously, why their ads are working, but outside of that, they don't really want to learn like the whole kit and caboodle. So for me, my course is really around helping like service providers to have like a booked out sales funnel with like one type of ad versus learning like the whole thing because. I, you know, people get confused by that. And I think that's why you and I are really interesting with that because we know that our core or our courses for right now, at least especially, is not what we're hoping that our main income will be from. It's right. one of those things we're just having additional or mainly because we saw a problem in the industry that we want to like finish. So yes. I think that's a huge piece that you mentioned to make sure that where you're wanting them to go reflects that like if you go to Jess's website, which I highly recommend you do, is on her navigation bar, she has a course there, but really anywhere else on her site that's, like, the main pages, like, the about, the home page, the stuff like that, is pushing Jess's services because that's what she's currently wanting, so I love that piece, and you mentioned something really amazing when it comes to content-wise, so you are kind of, like, a queen of content creation, I think, when it comes to blogging, um, the podcast, YouTube, like everything and anything you have either tried or you're currently doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, feels like it.
0: (laughs) Right? And I'm curious for you, when you're working with, let's say your clients who are mainly people who are like service-based business owners, usually like coaches, um, dietitians, clients, like really anything in that way, what do you find is the most impactful type of content they can create when it comes to video, audio, um, written like what do you find usually I know obviously it's going to depend on each person and in the industry they're in but I'm fine I'm wondering for you what's the natural theme or trends you've been
1: seeing so it definitely does depend I would definitely say blogging is not going to be that impactful yeah um, I'm not saying that like blogging is dead but there are I believe like I mean don't quote me quote me but I believe there are like 600 million blogs out there, like not, not blog posts, like blogs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then there are 750,000, I believe, YouTube channels, which Mm -hmm. does sound, no, 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 that's not right. Sorry, I switched the numbers. There are 23 million YouTube channels and then 750,000 podcasts. So, Yes, there are more YouTube channels and podcasts, but there's also a huge difference between those two and how many blocks there are. Mm -hmm. So it's just I feel like a lot more people are getting into watching video, listening to podcasts on the go. So I'd definitely say either podcasting or YouTube. And then it really it that's where it depends on your industry. Because for me, I mean yes, I do have both YouTube and (laughs) podcasts. (laughs) <laughs> but like i can't do a website tutorial on my podcast mm. like that's going to be super hard so it really depends on like what you want to talk about and that's the mm. first thing i would do is if you're thinking about doing one or the other write out like 10 ideas like 10 ideas that really sound exciting that you would love to talk about for anywhere from like 5 to minute 5 minutes to like 20 minutes and think about do i need this to be on video or not and then also think about how much can you talk about that that particular idea not in the grand scheme of things like can I you know have a sustainable YouTube channel about this I mean you do need to think about that too but for example like if you Danielle wanted to talk about Facebook ads Mm -hmm. um for and like lookalike audiences like you wanted to make a really specific episode about that Okay, can you talk about look like audiences for five to ten minutes, or can you do it for like forty-five minutes?
0: You know, if I want to put in a crap ton of stories, probably forty-five. But <laughs> I think for people, well, that's a thing too, actually. So for those who don't know, we um, we did an episode on her podcast, which we linked below as well on Facebook ads. That's why she's talking about the look like one. Uh, that's why I was top yeah, of mind. <laughs> yeah. So I'm. That's why I love that idea because I told her literally inside of the episode that it's a lot harder to talk about this type of techie things without having a screen in front of you to reference Mm -hmm. because it's like trying to explain an art piece to someone who's not looking at the art.
1: Yes, exactly. And that's why, so YouTube, I feel like is a lot more geared towards, not exclusively, but geared towards like how to kind of content, though there is most definitely a space for like thought leadership and strategy and that kind of stuff. But podcast is really the place for strategy and overview and bringing awareness to things and, and that kind of stuff. So think about like, are you actually going to need to show something, or will it all make sense on a podcast? And then it really the other thing I would do is do some searching on Google about your particular topics, and you know see are people actually searching about this are there other videos about this? Mm-hmm. Um and there are um Chrome extensions, I almost said plugins, but Chrome <laughs> Chrome extensions mm-hmm. that um are called um I think it's keyword something. It's TubeBuddy is oh the, uh, yeah yeah TubeBuddy and VidIQ are they're basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean they might have a few little feature Um, differences. But for the most part, you can basically use search in there and it'll give you data about like, um, you know, what are, how many videos are on this? Is this a good keyword? Is this a good topic? Mm. All that kind of fun stuff. So it makes it easy to see like, man, there's a lot of competition. Like for me, doing a video on YouTube about like, how to build a website is going to be awful. Mm-hmm. There are like a bajillion videos <laughs> about how to make a website. So that, and I don't do videos about that. I do really niche topics about like specific WordPress plugins, mm-hmm. how to use a specific feature in Squarespace, that kind of stuff. Um, so do some searching on YouTube with those plugins or ex- extensions and see what kind of results you get and that might give you an indication of like okay so no one's searching on youtube like doesn't look like this is a lot like a a hot topic over here um and i mean yeah there's a fine line between like yeah but what if i'm like the breakout star to you know to uh talk about you know let's say facebook ads and look like audiences like i know there's other videos about that but that you have to kind of gauge, like, is anyone interested in this or not? Because those uh, Chrome extensions will tell you, like, if there are people actually searching for it or not.
0: Yeah, like, that's a huge piece. Yeah. I think that's with what you said in general, when it comes to, like, especially you two, I find that that those, those examples when it comes to, like, the Chrome extensions are so helpful because it's literally saving you so much time versus just creating a Like channel up the wahoo and not knowing if it's actually going to like really provide you that much in or not even income but just like that much traffic versus a podcast or even um, blogging and something you mentioned which I think I forget where I heard this from but I know that like you said the podcasts were like 750,000 but there's only I think around a hundred and something thousand that are actually active right yes. now, which yes. is huge. Same thing with YouTube. Like I know even for me years ago, I don't remember the channel name, so don't try and find it. But there was like <laughs> years ago where I think I posted one or two videos of something. I don't remember what it was. And I don't even know that login or even the channel name anymore. So even though you hear all these big numbers around the channel names, think about who's actually being active on those or is a different, um, the different, Differentiator as well.
1: Yes, yes. And I would also, um, this is advice that I like give out with caution, Mm -hmm. but pull your audience and see what they are interested in. Um, I say this with caution because both platforms, podcasting and YouTube, are great for reaching a new audience. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a place for serving your existing audience because you know we want to serve them and convert them. Yeah. But if we can also reach new people then that's going to be even better so yes pull your audience and see like if it's 50-50 then like great just choose which one like you're more interested in mm-hmm. but if your entire audience is like i'm youtube all the way then maybe lean more towards youtube unless you know you're like no i really hate being on video that's the other thing like what if you don't like being on video people are going to be able to tell And you're not, you're not going to like it. It's not going to be sustainable. You're going to buy all this equipment for no reason. So don't feel pressured to like join YouTube because everyone's telling you to, if you don't actually like it
0: that and also if you don't like editing for
1: a while yes
0: (laughs) like that is something that I learned really quickly about YouTube yeah
1: Yeah. and I will say with the editing piece live video is so so popular right now Mm -hmm. every single social media platform uses it including YouTube you can go live on YouTube so I always tell people like if you really want to start a YouTube channel but you don't have the budget for equipment or for editing or you don't know how to edit you can't pay someone whatever just go live on YouTube, like set up Mm -hmm. your laptop and go live and just, um, you know, start teaching. I will say it's a little bit different than, or I think you should treat it different than like Instagram live. Yeah. Instagram live. People are like, Hey guys, just going to wait a little bit. Don't do it. Don't do it on YouTube. (laughs) Don't, Don't do it. And you know, like, I mean, yeah, you can say hi to people as they like come in to the room, but like, start going live on YouTube and just like hop into it. Mm-hmm. Like just get down to business because 80% of your, rep- of your views are going to come from the replays. Yep. So, and you might, you might not have anybody show up to the live and that's okay. Because again, you can optimize those videos to show up in search. And like I said, people will watch the replay. So
0: I love that. And actually, that goes great into the last two questions before we move on to the rapid fire round, which the first one I think is really important because you mentioned it actually is live video. And especially on prominently, I think right now, Instagram and Facebook. And it's funny because even though they both have live features, the audiences for how they watch it are so completely different. Um, When it comes to like Instagram, I find people who are watching live, they'll stay on for maybe a little bit, and then leave, versus Facebook Live, they'll be on a little bit longer, because the platform doesn't take up the whole entire screen, like, you can oh. watch it on your computer, that's what i found the most, yes. because I've had it before, where I've done a live, or done a couple lives on Instagram, and I realized it wasn't worth my time to do them so quickly, or have so much, you know, value in there, because it takes up their whole entire screen, so let's say, because let's be honest, people's attention rate is really low, um, yes, so it is. <laughs> if you are expecting them to watch a 10, 15, 20 plus minute live video with their screen being basically blocked out, that's just not going to happen. No, it's not that's what I love about that idea and the question that I was going around to this is since you kind of create a lot of content that's kind of evergreen so for those who don't know live video obviously on Facebook and Instagram you can use but it's not searchable really it's not Mm -hmm. like you can actually optimize it the content for podcasting YouTube is something that can searched forever and be used like you said to bring in new audiences so I'm curious for you especially as someone who does mainly like one-to-one client work and even some like stuff on the side as well What is your perspective on those who are fellow service providers or service-based business owners wanting to do live video or YouTube, or like, let's say, let's go with more of quick video that's not searchable versus like um, content that's going to be evergreen. How do you, how did you make that decision for yourself? Or do you even, do you do Facebook lives or that kind of stuff often as well too?
1: So I don't really go live on Facebook. Or Instagram, not for any really particular reason, probably mm. just limited time with everything <laughs> else we have going on. Okay. Um, but I, I think there's kind of two pieces or not two pieces, two kinds of content we can create. There's like searchable content. that's like the evergreen, it's educational, that kind of stuff. And then there's like community content. Mm. Um, and this, I mean, this is going back to like YouTube, not so much the like Facebook live, but, um, like the community, like, so I have like day in the life videos on my YouTube channel where I'm just like, this is what I'm working on, blah, blah, blah. Not really searchable at all. Like, I mean, you can search day in the life, but I mean, there's a bajillion like results. (laughs) So it's not going to, it's not going to rank very well. It's not going to, you know, show at the top of any search results. So the, I don't do those videos, to show up in search like most of my videos. I do them to build relationships with my existing viewers and so it's a little more personal. So I think there's definitely um, a time and place for both and I think that's also like Instagram live or Facebook live or even Instagram stories um, can even house both of those as well. Like I try and do some kind of like educational content it's it's definitely not as in-depth or as long as like my youtube videos but i'm like hey like i you know did xyz last week like let me show you the seven steps of how i did it um so i'll do that but then i also show like me and my dog (laughs) so i think it's a balance of having both of those whether that's on instagram or youtube or facebook
0: I love that. And that's a big piece, I think, with marketing in general. It's that um, like, know, and trust. Mm-hmm. So you have to have content that does all three of those, not at the same time, but obviously throughout your content, like, I guess, your journey to help yes. people do all three. So that actually goes great into the last question, which is for you especially, how do you kind of create a content repurposing or even content creation from, let's say, the searchable content, which is YouTube, then your social media posts do you have overlap how does that um, work for you if you do because I think a lot of people right now are really interested in content repurposing because obviously Mm -hmm. let's be honest we don't have all the time in the world so I'm curious for you do you have a system set up or some type of workflow that you take some of that and make into social media posts or are you kind of one of those people who just like when I get inspired I'm going to write this stuff and then it's going to go out.
1: So I don't have like a system, (laughs) but I do um, repurpose quite a bit because not everyone's going to hop over and watch my YouTube video or listen to my podcast. So for example, one thing I might do is, um, you know, when I share about like your podcast on Mm -hmm. my Instagram, then I will probably pull like a quote from the interview for the graphic Um, if I do a graphic or if I just do a stock photo, like whatever. But then the caption, I will also probably pull something from the transcript. So I always get my podcasts transcribed and put them on my website. So I can easily pull like a paragraph or two to kind of give context, get people interested. And then like, I mean, I don't literally just copy and paste it. Like I I tweak it a little bit, make it, you know, make sense as an Instagram caption. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing I do is just like, use, okay, like what's, you know, the opening paragraph or something really, really good that's going to hook someone's attention. The other thing I'll do, which I did this in July, is I did a podcast um, just by myself about the seven common objections that people have when it comes to creating content. So like, I don't have time. It's all been said before. I have a fear of being judged, like, Mm etc. So did the whole podcast about it. It's on my website, too, and then I took each of those seven points and made one a whole Instagram post, mm-hmm. so again, didn't just just copy and paste, like I tweaked it a little bit, but the content was already done, like I didn't have to come up with something new. I was like, Hey, like I know a lot of people feel like they don't have time for you know content creation, and then you know had all the rest of the caption about whatever I said in the interview. So that is a super easy way to repurpose is if you're doing like the five things about Facebook ads you need to know or whatever it is, that is super valuable um, and easy to, to do. And I also, I mean, I even will look at like, what are things that I talk about a lot with clients? So for me as a website designer, photos on your website. <laughs> um yeah. uh, I talk a lot a lot about and I had sent one of my clients like some resources for finding photos like stock free stock photos Mm -hmm. and was like this would make a great Instagram post so I did and it was like one of my highest performing Instagram posts of the month. I wholeheartedly agree with this and
0: that's something that I need to get better at is when I answer questions for clients or when I do anything like client-based I'm like this is so juicy and I need to use it but I'll be honestly be a little lazy and I'll forget so <laughs> I, I love that piece because it's such a huge area it's it's giving people a behind the scenes look at you but also giving them incredible value at the same time because it's literally something that you gave to your client as well without obviously giving them the whole thing
1: right so, yeah yeah, yeah.
0: That. and that's yeah. a huge piece too and like you said I think everyone for content creation it's going to be a different journey or like different path or different like workflow yeah. they have for themselves or else like if we were all able to do the same thing then there wouldn't be this much <laughs> i don't say controversy but this many um opinions about how you can create content or how you can right. you know schedule it so yes. i love that piece and this has been so valuable for my listeners but before we go i love to do a quick rapid fire round so yes a couple i would say usually five to six questions just your first either thought that comes to your mind, first word or phrase. So before okay. we get started, are you ready? I am so ready. Cool. Okay. So first question is favorite book you've ever read or currently reading? Super fans by Pat Flynn.
1: I've been meaning to read that. I love Pat. Super he's, good. He's I'm, really it's good. what I'm currently reading. I'm almost done with it. Okay. Let me know at the end <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> when you finish. Uh, what is your favorite
1: word or phrase you use daily? Oh gosh. Um, I don't, I don't even know if I have. If it's okay. I,
0: have a, I usually ask I'm that just in case some people, some people do use things often. Um, depends on obviously the person. I find yeah. that it's kind of the variety. So that, that totally is fine.
1: I mean, my husband and I say, that's what she said jokes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> We're huge office fans, but I don't know if I actually say it every day. That's, that's totally understandable. Yeah. And I love that. Yep. Okay.
0: <laughs> what is something you're not very good at or working to
1: get better at? Um, Facebook ads. <laughs> You're in the right place. It, it's, ta- it's top of mind, I admit, because, you know, we talked about Facebook ads on my podcast, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's probably what I would say. I love that. Well, I'm here. Um, what <laughs> is one characteristic that
0: you believe every entrepreneur needs? Perseverance. Mm what are two tools, mindset, or resources you think entrepreneurs need to make their marketing or business successful?
1: Um, Dubsado for Mm -hmm. like contracts and invoices and all that other fun stuff. It's a huge, huge time saver. Um, And man, other resource why can't I think of anything? (laughs) Like (laughs) Dubsado is like the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I'll just say like Facebook groups as a resource. Yeah. Like obviously the right Facebook group, but um, I was talking on Instagram the other day about like getting started and like, you know, I didn't have any formal business training, but I was in a Facebook group early on and that was a huge help in growing my business. Just a free Facebook group. So
0: yeah, I love that.
1: Okay. Last question that is probably my favorite is what does success look like to you in your own eyes? To me, it is working with clients that light me up and not having to work long hours, like yeah. a really healthy work-life balance. God, yeah. That is the, the, the talk of the day. I think for a lot of people right now, <laughs> it's trying yeah. to find that balance. Yeah. And I do, and I'm one of those people that I'm like, I don't know if it actually exists, if like the perfect balance exists. But, you know, I work basically like nine to four, nine to five. And then just, you know, like hang out in the evenings. Like I'm not working 24 seven, I don't work weekends. And so, I mean, yeah, there's definitely like, oh man, this is a busy week. I need to work a little more or. Just was out of town, you know. Like there's those moments, but um, for me, when I'm having as good of a balance <laughs> as I as I can, that is that's what means the most to me. I love that. Okay, so now we've
0: gone through so much when it comes to your story, all these amazing topics on website content, you name it. So now that we're currently in the present, what are you currently working on, or have any freebies or whatnot that you want to give the audience a little taste on what they can look out for?
1: Yeah, so um one thing that I just launched last month is my new membership called the Better Collective mm-hmm. and it is for you'll you'll be not surprised once you, you know, having considered everything we just talked about in this interview, but it's for business owners who need help with consistently like keeping their site fresh. Mm-hmm. So each month we have a different topic like October we're going to talk about SEO. Um, but not SEO as a whole like it's going to be something very specific in the realm of SEO then like November we're going to talk about updating client testimonials like so it's every month we have a different focus there's a workshop and there's Facebook prompts and the whole nine yards so that's something you can find at justcreatives.com slash better Um, and I'm just working on a lot of client work. Other than that, because <laughs> as I said, I love to work one-on-one, um, and I do have a few different freebies. If you just go to justcreatives.com/resources, um, I do have an SEO workshop that you can watch. I love that. And for those who are wanting to stalk her on Instagram or Facebook, she's at justcreatives
0: too. And I really recommend you, especially on Instagram, because she does amazing stories and captions and all that kind of amazing things. Well, thanks thank you. And thank you for being on here. For those who are listening, if you got so much out of this, please DM Jess and I, and just let us know like what was your biggest takeaway or what are you planning on working into? And again, thank you so much, Jess, for coming on and being here and just sharing all the knowledge.
1: Of course. Thank
0: you so much for having me. Thank you. And I'll talk to you guys all in the next episode. Bye guys listening to today's episode I am so excited that you were able to go through it and get some actionable tips out of it for next steps make sure you go to danielleclem.com slash ad breakdown to get the complete ad breakdown around what one insta ad did to help create 559 client leads and 20% sales increase and launch make sure to go ahead there to do that and DM me at i Clem to go in deeper to the conversation. And last but not least, make sure to leave a rating and review so that this podcast can get out to more amazing people like yourself.